0: Welcome back to To The Table. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez, who is the showrunner of this wonderful podcast. As always, we're here to talk about a movie that the other person hasn't seen, namely me, but obviously with our ghost-tober theme, with this being October and Halloween and horror theme, Peter has curated a bunch of movies Uh, That are, you know, ghostly and supernatural. Last week we were talking about Altergeist, the 1982 film. And today we will be be discussing. I'm sorry, I'm a little high right now. Um, I got a little bit of that uh, Regeneron that Trump has right now.
1: Uh, So, yeah. Here it's nice. It really is. Uh, We are talking about.
0: You can hear it in my voice, can't you? I'm just this close from breaking down. We're talking about. The 1999 movie, I wanted to recall the correct year that this was out, The Sixth Sense. Now, seemingly uh, people uh, scream in shock and horror uh, when they uh, inevitably are told of films that are so beloved and so classic and are so well known that I had not seen until now this moment. And so if anyone wants to ask, wait. He hasn't seen that? No shit. We're, that's why we're doing a podcast about it, and now you're going to hear someone's brand new thoughts on a film that is over 20 years old. So, congratulations. Yeah, people experience films at different points in their lives. Get You know? Wow. What a novel concept. That's almost as if that's what the whole point of the show is, right? Damn, that Regeneron is strong. Peter. Uh, <laughs> How,
1: How are seen you the doing? It's uh, defensive there.
0: Um, so Peter and I got into a debate before the podcast, like, and it went on for twenty minutes, and he got
1: me heated as usual. And I, whenever just... I win the debate, he always gets like this.
0: He doesn't win. He doesn't win. He just grandstands and screams, and you know until he gets his way. So that's yeah. how getting your, your way is go. winning You did not get your way. You thought that you got your <laughs> way. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So, today we're talking about The Sixth Sense, uh, by M. Night Shyamalan, which, uh, I'm trying to find the right adjective to describe what his name means today. Um, a storied filmmaker, uh, I certainly don't want to say troubled filmmaker, because that that adds in a very negative, um, a, I guess assuasion. Um, he is a very well-known filmmaker, um as well known for his biggest hits as, as he is for his biggest misses. I think that's fair to say on all accounts. Um, Peter himself, uh, is a much more, uh, I would say Shyamalan connoisseur. Uh, and we'll get into all that stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. when I mean connoisseur, I mean, he knows his movies. I don't, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about my first Shyamalan movie was the last airbender. Mm.
1: <laughs>
0: so, I mean, um,
1: Oof. That was your first introduction to The Last Airbender as well.
0: That's actually false. I had seen The Last Airbender series before the movie, and if you would know that if you listen to our Airbender Avatar series on Red Spotlight. So, um, P- Peter loves to throw around false accusations to his uh, panelists that make them look worse than he does. So just in case <laughs> you know, you ask yourself why Peter likes to do that, that's
1: exactly why. So you're saying fake news.
0: I'm saying stop talking so we can get on with the show. So, uh, you said that there was some uh, – we we would do a little bit of a backtrack in terms of mm-hmm. if we could find any more information about Poltergeist uh, because of your thoughts and those were in particular too.
1: Uh, just the more political aspects I found prevalent within the film uh, – Before the recording last time, I had done a quick little Google search to see if anything came up. I really couldn't find anything, which is weird. I don't... I don't know why. I felt everything that I was saying was pretty obvious. And I don't mean that in like a condescending way. I'm saying like, if I noticed it, then I know a film made back in the 80s, (laughs) a popular one at that, anything I have to say in it has probably been said a million and a half times. And the fact that I couldn't find anything. I was like, oh, that's odd. Um, but yeah, I still can't find anything. <laughs> as, as no, far I, as... I
0: couldn't find anything as well. Uh, and to be clear, you are referring to the underlying, perhaps, messages that was included in Poltergeist um, in regards I know, to...
1: I know other people have said something along similar lines that I have, but I haven't seen, like, I don't, I don't know, like... Maybe commentary on from Spielberg himself. Or that was, like, I think, the, the stuff that article. we were looking for.
0: Is like if anyone yeah. involved with the production itself could speak to a lot of this imagery, a lot of this perhaps symbolism that is there. Um, that I, I agree with you. It it, it it does stick out, and it does make you wonder. Uh, but that hasn't been addressed. From what at least I could see, you're fine. Um, but there was also a long-standing dispute between. Who really was the director of Poltergeist? Whether it be Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg, and boy, did we really uh, undersell what a long-standing saga that has been? Because uh, there have I found over the over the you know the course of this last week a series of um, comments from various cast and crew over the decades, mind you. A very different accountings of what happened. Um, kind of awkward, honestly, to have so many people <laughs> from the casting crew disagree, I think, almost vehemently. I don't think anyone's comments, at least the ones that I shared with you, Peter, mm-hmm. were like, I, I don't feel being negative in tone and nature or being, I think, belittling. I think they were all trying to be honest to what their recollection was. But it is very contradictory stuff. Because... I think literally half the stuff would suggest that, no, Hooper was there every day. As far as I was concerned as an actor, he was my director. And then there are cameramen and producers and what have you uh, that would say, well, Hooper was there, but the creative force of this movie was Steven. And then there were other accounts where one actor would say, well, every day that I was there, Spielberg was directing And then Spielberg (laughs) himself would say – or maybe not Spielberg, but maybe someone else uh, was saying that Hooper would never be the one to um, suggest creative ideas first, that he would would basically follow Steven's lead on it. Um, It's hard to say. I'm not sure this this will ever be something that's ever known. Um, There was even actually – in – when this movie came out, and, and, and forgive me, and I'm not even sure if you are aware of this as well, I had no idea that this movie came out the same month as E.T. The
1: same month? I didn't know that.
0: Well, it was June, right? If not the same month, it was the same summer, for sure. Mm-hmm. The same summer season, and that a lot of the publications... And this is the theme that'll carry over to today's episode with Shyamalan. But a lot of the Hollywood publications were making a story out of it about the summer of Spielberg. And at that point, <laughs> there were some tensions that may have already been, you know, flared up. There was even actually, I think, a, a DGA, PGA issue with the film that uh the people behind Poltergeist were they had to pay a fine because they were, you know, making Spielberg's importance more so than the actual credited director.
1: Like, I mean, that you still have that to this day. Most people think Spielberg when they think Poltergeist, too. Yeah. More so than they think Toby Hooper. Uh, <laughs> Spielberg That's actually released a
0: comment, uh, I think a statement the week that it was released, uh, clarifying that Hooper directed this movie. Not me. <laughs> the week that it came out, you know? Like, what do you think about all of this? Like, we're, we're. we're of, I'm not going to share a lot of the information. It's easily accessible for people if you want to just look up literally Wikipedia, and it's all there. It's just too much to filter through. But Peter has seen a lot
1: of this. What do you make of all that information? It honestly, it doesn't sound that contradictory. When, especially when you pair it with what Toby Hooper had said himself, right, right, and what Spielberg had said himself, which is he what seems to be clear is Spielberg was there a lot on set and he had no problem just jumping in and making creative decisions. And Spielberg said, has said that as well. He said he was lucky that Toby Hooper allow, you know, him as a producer to come in and make so many decisions. And Toby Hooper said he was cool with, you know, him. Spielberg apparently just jumping on the gun, whenever something come to his head or something needs changing and with his creative input and Toby Hooper was obviously very much on board with a lot if not pretty much all his creative decisions uh as a director maybe the 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 one person you're interacting with most is Toby Hooper Because maybe he's the one that comes over and talks to you like, okay, yeah, that was great. Let's do this, you do that. But maybe behind the camera, that's where Spielberg is. And he's Mm -hmm. the one telling, lighting, oh, yeah, like, hey, go do this, go do that. Maybe he's saying like, oh, yeah, the actors, you know, they should be doing this, they should be doing that. In which case, Hooper goes and he talks to the actors, you know, about that. So, I could see where depending on where you are working, the hierarchy within the film production, whether you interacted more with Hooper or interacted more with Spielberg. And then, of course, you have to add on to all of that. Yeah, this the summer of Spielberg, where his his legacy was just cemented and his career skyrocketed. And every, as Spielberg this, Spielberg that, you know. So not only that, you know, in the... Uh, What's it called? Advertisement. Of course, his name is going to be overshadowed like crazy. I mean, that still happens today.
0: Well, Candyman, Every... I think, is a recent example. People were all mm-hmm. convinced that was Jordan Peele's movie. Yeah.
1: Well, he produced it, but that's Nia Costa who directed that movie. Well, look at the biggest one, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's oh, literally... that's right. <laughs> it's literally called Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's directed by Henry Selleck. yeah i mean so it's not new necessarily you know that where other names overshadow which should be the main creative force of the project but just everything surrounding the production everything going into it it's definitely entertaining (laughs) just sort of pulling apart all the layers so no that's good info
0: No, there's actually – and there's another question that you had asked, or not that you had the answer to, about what it was that Spielberg just didn't outright direct this movie himself. There actually is an answer that I found. Um, And this is, you know, from this long, detailed history. A clause in his contract with Universal Studios prevented Steven Spielberg from directing any other film while preparing E.T., uh the extraterrestrial
1: okay see and then that can lead credence to the whole notion that he was maybe a little bit more in, maybe he wanted to direct poltergeist maybe he wanted to really really have a a say he, he really wanted to make the film but he just couldn't <laughs> So,
0: which I mean, that wouldn't have been the first time that Spielberg himself has been held back from directing movies that he wanted to do. Remember, he was scheduled to do Star Wars Return of the Jedi. But because George had basically declared war with the Directors Guild of America, that prevented Spielberg. God damn it,
1: George. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Um, We could have had a Star Wars Spielberg film at the height of his career at Spielberg's height at the height of Star Wars and the heart of S- height of Spielberg
0: which if 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 you're keeping track though and I don't know uh you know entirely where we are right now but this is 82 with both mm. Poltergeist and ET being released 83 I believe is when Jedi was released right So that would only mean the next year yeah. so I I wonder if that would have affected ET or Poltergeist if he had tackled on the star Wars we
1: probably movie. wouldn't be on the set of poltergeist much
0: and then there's more here according to toby hooper the very core concept of the film was steven spielberg oh well, uh, yeah that's and, why the crazy story well, by spielberg. right 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 um yeah i mean it wasn't just the fact that it was um that he has a screenwriting credit on the screenplay he he the idea was from him so it's what do you do with the situation it's it's one of those you know uh but not taking nothing away from toby hooper of course he also has a wonderful filmography especially with horror um and yeah i guess we'll 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 leave it there but there is some carryover um when you think about how the media Pushed that whole narrative of the Summer of Spielberg with the rise of Shamhammer.
1: Speaking of Spielberg, let's talk about the next Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> the man himself, M. Knight Shyamalan. I remember the height of M. Knight. Okay, How I were? was there, I was young. Fairly young. I Were you don't even know. five? Six? Okay. Five, six, seven. Cause it came out in '99, right? Mm-hmm. Same year as Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace. At that point I was about four, maybe. Maybe even three. Three or four. But I would say his height when when every everything was just like M night this, M night that, da da is when you start to get into, like, signs and even, you know, the village. I, like... At that point, everyone was like, okay, he's hot shit. He's hot shit. He's everything. Let's go. Um, I am a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan since I was a youngin. I've always loved his work. His early work, obviously. (laughs) Um... I don't know. I just, I find him a fascinating director. I really, really like his work. I'm, I'm always going to be on his side as far as, well, not on his side. I'm always going to be rooting for him. I'll put it that way. I w- I want him to succeed. And boy, oh boy, I, I like, I'm surprised. Well, obviously not yet, but one day there will be. Uh, an M. Night Shyamalan movie on his, on his career. Cause holy shit, is it a roller coaster? You know, to, to go from right out the gate, just praised and awarded, you know, the next Spielberg, all this, have a steady trickle down until you just fucking plummet. And then the world turns on you. And then you have like a, a semi return, like, Well, the story ain't finished being being finished. Story isn't finished being written yet. Uh, He's currently, I think, filming a movie. And I it's luckily this. Oh, God, this is the lucky part. I think it's based off like a graphic novel. So it's not an original idea. (laughs) I get very worried. He needs a writing partner just to Keep him in check. He's one of those people where it's like, I, lo- I love where you're going, but uh, let's, we need the bumpers to make sure you don't go off the rails, basically. Like George Lucas? Yeah, yeah. I think to a lesser extent, because George Lucas, I think M. Night Shyamalan is talented. Not to say that George isn't talented, but George's talent has always been just being an idea guy. Yeah. Right. Like right. for someone it's so funny cuz for someone that's so like I'm about the art, I'm about the purity of it, you know, fuck these corporations that, you know, just hold you back and they don't let you just make what you want to make. He was always better at the business side of things. <laughs> you know, you know, the idea business side, you know, selling toys, merchandising, you know, growing his own empire and it's God, you could make a, a movie on George Lucas as well, because he kind of became that in an effort to be able to be that, you know, artist that didn't have to worry about anything. Uh, but in the pursuit of creating that financial stability, he kind of became too good at it, <laughs> To at which point his sole focus became the business instead of the art. I'm telling you, these scripts write themselves about Hollywood. Uh, but no, M Night, I, 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 I didn't see um, this film first. I didn't see it first. Uh, the Sixth Sense. I saw Signs first. Oh, which is utterly horrifying. Um, yeah. As a horror film, it's probably the film that like fucked me up the most as a kid really signs yes very much so Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. and you know like so many people shit on signs signs is a great movie fuck them i i (laughs) signs is a fantastic movie oh if the aliens die due to water why would they go to try to take a planet that's 70 percent water because fuck you, that's why, okay? Isn't that nah. War of the Worlds? No, War of the Worlds is if aliens fucking die to bacteria, why would they, you know, go to a planet with bacteria or some shit like that? Because with War of the Worlds, they die due to disease. But yeah. in science, <laughs> it's water.
0: That's a different podcast. I think Have we had a podcast yet where we've, like... Sometimes you do these themed podcasts where uh we like to take uh a common i don't know if trope is the right way of saying this but one of fandom or uh one collective uh food of thought i feel uh in terms of like criticism uh and i think that this would fall perfectly into in that the this refusal to suspend belief in a movie, and so you're criticizing things like, "Oh, they died because of water. That's dumb." I'm not gonna enjoy this thing. Yeah.
1: The- and again, a lot of these people who like hyper criticize the actions and the decisions of movie characters always baffle me because then I look at the real world, and it's just idiot on top of idiot doing the stupidest things imaginable that even a film. Like, I... Fuck, I don't want to get into a politics. But, like, satire is dead, basically.
0: we well, remember it House died. of Cards before yeah. the whole Kevin Spacey thing happened. We both love that series, and we both argue that it had a solid five seasons worth of television, and yet, as it, like, hit season three, four, and five, it was criticized by people for saying that it was just too unbelievable. <laughs>
1: and... <laughs> Yeah, I and I remember being pissed. Like, really? Unbelievable? Like, w- f- from where? Where is it unbelievable? Oh, my God. Oh, that that still pisses me off to this day. Like, you, but that tells you how few people truly fucking understood this country to think that <laughs> that, that shit was unbelievable. And
0: still uh, don't recognize yeah, the still, country, I feel. Yeah,
1: and still are dumb as fuck. Um, but no, yeah, I didn't see. I mean, the look Six at Poltergeist.
0: Sense. I'm okay. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not. Just,
1: I'm not I gonna, you don't gonna go, go there. to Poltergeist. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't see Six Sense until I was definitely older, because I also just didn't do scary movies like that when I was. I'm very scared <laughs> of everything.
0: What I thought you especially liked- when I was I mean, young. Uh, uh, well. <laughs> That's the thing, That's though, right? interesting, like, though. I thought it was mm-hmm. just me and Moreno that were like that.
1: No, 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 no. No, well, when I was younger, like, no, I like, I couldn't even see rated R movies. So, yeah, I wasn't going to see that. Um, but I didn't see horror films when I was younger. I loved Halloween and, like, mm. the spooky aesthetic and all of that. Like, I've always loved it. Like, Halloween, I've never really cared that much about candy, but Halloween's always been my favorite holiday, you know? So, put two and two together, it's everything surrounding the uh, event. But it wasn't until I was a little bit older, where I actually was, like, started watching more and more and more and more horror films. Um, And so, yeah, I didn't see this one until I was a little bit older definitely scared the fuck out of me not as much as um signs uh, i'll tell you but definitely scary and they like that one and like texas chainsaw the ring were like some of my earliest like horror horror films you know like directed towards adult horror films not like gremlins or some shit like that that's Mm -hmm. obviously family level no but like genuine horror films that was one of the first uh i think it's fantastic i think it's great many people consider it to be his best film Uh, mm, yeah they're right they're right uh it's still his best film all these years later and I also think it's a terrific ghost story. I think it does a lot of that stuff that, of course, I know both you and I love, is that it's a ghost story, but it's much more than that. And yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the Shyamalan. I'm a fan of the everything going on in this film. We'll talk about it more. But yeah, that's why I obviously wanted you to see mm-hmm. this film for our Ghost-tober. Uh Oh, okay, I'm going to run down real quick uh, the the film and what it's about thanks to our sponsors at letterboxd i believe their tagline is if it's on our site it's definitely a movie
0: i believe they'll be hearing from um our communication staff about that tagline we're challenging that to uh the very core of it we're going to go to court over that 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 is not right but um we're challenging our sponsor in court how about
1: that go ahead peter okay I was going to make a Supreme Court joke, but I'm not anymore. Oh, God. Uh, the Sixth Sense, directed by M. Knight Shyamalan. Not every gift is a blessing. A psychological thriller about an eight year old boy named Cole Seer. Seer? Is yes. it Seer? Oh, yeah, fuck. Get it? Like he's a <laughs> seer? All right, yep. never mind. Uh-huh. That's pretty on the nose. I just got that. Who believes he can see into the world of the dead. A child psychologist named Malcolm Crow. Malcolm Crow. Fuck. I never noticed how just on the nose these names are. Comes to Cole to help him deal with his problem, learning that he really can see the ghosts of dead people. So, Alexis M. Rodriguez. How did you feel about The Sixth Sense? Well, let's see if my experience
0: and recounting, you know, watching this movie uh can give you a good indication. I was sucked in immediately. I was captivated. Um every moment of the movie. It it's one of those films that just cannot fail at least I mean it doesn't fail at all to hold your attention the entire way through at no point do you feel like it's dragging or that we're heading through a slow period where it's like it's okay to look away uh because nothing important is going on um I was riveted like riveted like I was just so invested in not just the story but just kind of immersed with the feeling of this movie and uh one of the things that i noticed first about it and it actually starts off in in the opening moments is uh i believe it's Lynn uh Malcolm's wife right that notices yes. how, how cold it is and obviously we'll know what we, we find out why it's the house is cold for a number of reasons but that seems to be a feeling that, uh, and it was clearly, I think, by design because that would be, in a way, to you know, alert the audience that there was a ghost nearby, um, relatively throughout the entire movie. But the cold is used, and and, and the you know capturing you know, uh, cold breath, you know, you know when you when it, when it's so cold and you can see your breath from, and it's Philadelphia, so. Um, I felt cold uh, watching the entire film, especially those like <laughs> night scenes. Uh, so I think that was a really effective uh, tool to use to to just get you so immersed in the feeling of this film. I have to say, um, look, it's just so surprising. And again, my previous experience with Shyamalan for a while had only been Last Airbender. But then uh, you made me watch Unbreakable. You know, oh that's cool. right and i was kind of blown away by how much i loved that film um and then split two was really really good um glass less so <laughs> uh, decidedly much more mixed um even though I, yeah. I i walked away genuinely um i'm not gonna say satisfied because i really wasn't i guess i was like okay with it I was like, okay, this was nice or whatever. You, I think, were much more pissed (laughs) at the final result
1: of it. Um, Here's the thing. Uh, Split was a script that he dusted off from a long time ago when he he kind of had his mojo. um, And then Glass was a script that he recently wrote. And then this is why I'm saying the man needs... A, a, a co-writer desperately and you know maybe working off a story that's already like set in stone will help him with his next movie because yeah because yeah feel, I mean,
0: those words are, i think are a lot kinder when you compare it to other people in the industry like jj J. abrams who has no business writing anything and just stays out of it please god don't write anymore please
1: <laughs> yeah which is crazy because people are so hard on Shyamalan. But with JJ, it's it's just such kid gloves, I feel. JJ,
0: I don't think ha- has ever, or maybe I- I'm not going to say ever will, but to my knowledge, I don't think JJ has made a movie that I think compares to the best of Shyamalan.
1: Oh, hell no. That's why, too. Like, uh, Sorry, this isn't the hate JJ. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of other episodes for that. Uh, so you liked it?
0: No, I loved it. I no, I mean, I, I actually would use the word sensational uh, with this with this film. It was. I mean, I, I know I used this last week with like that. poltergeist was amazing. I think this was perfect. I I it's kind of like a perfect movie. Like, and I I don't mm. know where to, where I would begin to criticize it. But I think it is so – I think it's outstanding as a as a horror film. And yet I feel it's even better as just a straight-up film. Uh, everything from the direction to the writing to the fucking performances that are so – that rock you. Uh, from Bruce Willis to Tony Collette to Haley Joel Osment. Like, oh my goodness. And some of those moments – um they hold your attention they grip you they break you in parts with the terror that they're that with Haley Joel Osment but also in moments toward the end of the movie where there's just an explosion of emotion um it's just so brilliantly crafted and staged and um while understanding because people you know in passing I've heard about this movie people and, and Shyamalan's known for his twists and I guess this is where it began Knowing there would be one, but yet still that was in the back of my mind entirely. Like I wasn't even like thinking about it. Wait,
1: wait, we... wait, wait. You didn't know the twist?
0: I did I knew there was going to be a twist.
1: But you didn't know what the twist was? No. Really? No, no, no. You're lying. No,
0: I didn't know what it was. I knew that there would be one, but I didn't think it was one. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't think so. Obviously the twist is that Malcolm was dead. Yeah. And I felt, of course I felt stupid for not. Oh, well, no shit. Like, Cause I was wondering, like he got shot in the opening scene of the movie and then we just moved past it. And we had that red herring of next fall and we see him alive and everything. So we just assumed we, we immediately like, all right nothing came he's, of it he's fine and everything but no of course he died because he got shot in the stomach and i was like how did i not see that and then when you think back oh wait he never interacted with anyone besides haley jolasman besides cole and then when you when they show you the, the the scenes and you're like no i i i was thrown for a whirl like i did not know that, that this twist is whatsoever.
1: breathtaking to me <laughs> because it is to me not knowing that Bruce Willis is a ghost at the end of The Sixth Sense is like going your entire life without watching Empire and then w- watching Empire and then being genuinely surprised that Darth <laughs> Vader is is Luke Skywalker's uh, father. I'm telling
0: you, man, I was out of the loop. I was out of the loop when it you came You were to
1: that. really out of the loop because like, I, I, I don't know, like. As a child, I remember the fucking twist of the sixth sense. You never saw uh, Fifty First Dates. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy to me that you didn't know. Because last um, the last episode we did with uh poltergeist, I I think I even made a joke about how. You know, oh yeah, the twist at the end, and like basically how you know what the twist is. And I thought at the time you just didn't think it was funny, but now I realize you had no idea what the fuck I was talking about.
0: Oh, that was a joke. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't remember that moment. If I don't laugh, it means just assume I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know what you what you were talking about because I didn't think that was a joke. So that very oh, much um... tells you that I didn't understand. At least the reference that you had there
1: now I like do seen it or not seen it I just assume everyone knows that Bruce Willis was the ghost because it became such a huge thing like at mm-hmm. the time like oh, oh my god. god like again it's like the Luke guy and your father it was such like a cultural I
0: didn't know it was that big of a deal until I looked into the the history of this movie and I'm like whoa well, what the fuck did I where was I at when I did when all this shit was happening because apparently it became like a like an overnight sensation, it was so mm-hmm. immediately like uh, big with pop culture. It, it was the rage that year. But I mean, I was like what five years old? I, I don't. I'm that. I think that must have been the year where I started learning English. So like uh, my first lang- my first language is Spanish, mm-hmm. and I didn't watch horror movies. I, I certainly didn't l- seek them out by any means. So like I, I don't know, man. This movie was just a completely flew under my radar.
1: We were very different <laughs> five year olds. Yeah. Well, I was probably four, but no, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, that well, then yeah, you you got the the fresh nineteen ninety nine experience then with uh-huh. this film. No, yeah. So yeah, it must have been quite a revelation at the it end. Was <laughs> it was
0: amazing. It was <laughs> honestly like wow, that because I, I I'm so used to in, in in these days when films try and pull a massive twist like that off. I'm so used to them failing entirely and ruining the entire movie. A la J.J.
1: Abrams. <laughs> and I think this is why people go like, the this movie both made and broke M. Knight's career. Because <laughs> he became known as the twist guy overnight. Uh, and I feel like he kind of... He leaned he into that too much. Obligated. Uh-oh. Like oh oh that's my identity the twist guy. Well,
0: I mean there was a, a massive twist right in Unbreakable toward the end with uh, glass.
1: Yeah, but then that 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 became that became the dominant conversation of every one of his films because that
0: was the second film following Sixth Sense, correct? Of Shyamalan because yeah. it was ninety nine and then it was two thousand or two thousand
1: one. Mm-hmm. It was Unbreakable then Signs Signs was like height height of the M. Night you know love fest and then people were like I remember with Signs people were like this is good but it's not as good it was that kind of thing and mm-hmm. then when you got to the happening people were like I don't know about this mm-hmm. and then when you got to Lady in the Water you know, it was, that's when people are like, this is shit. Like, genuine shit. But then also, again, I, <laughs> you're gonna see a movie on M. Knight's life. M. Knight became very full of himself. Like, I hear, yeah, you, you, I recall you hearing this.
0: No, I recall you seeing this in the past and, um, also, over the years, when M Night would be brought up in discussion on media outlets, whether it had been, you know, Collider, AMC, you know, fandom, those other outlets, you know, are, you and I are, are so, I think, well familiar with at this point. Um, I don't know if it, if it, I think it was you that said that he was so far up his own ass that he was sniffing his own farts or something like that. Is how into himself he was. Like he, he bought a- into the
1: hype. No one bought into the hype more than him. Uh It was bad. It was... Uh, uh, oh, God. There was this m- book written about M. Night. And, like, they spent time following him around and all that. But the guy who wrote the book was high on Shyamalan as well. <laughs> so the way it was written just came off so weird. Like, I I, I don't know. It's crazy. I remember reading some excerpts on, like... I don't know on online, the, and I was like, "Oh, well, shit. I have,
0: well." There's actually a recent uh, piece of literature that we can use—an uh, article, not a novel, but an article by uh, one of the one of the, the UK press, I believe, from the Telegraph, where it was I think in the anticipation to Christopher Nolan's Tenet being released in theaters. I love how we worked that back into this because we we haven't <laughs> you know kicked that movie down enough. But when this when those critics suggested that uh, we need to be prepared to sacrifice ourselves uh, to make sure that movies succeed uh, for Christopher Nolan's tenant, which, of course, Nolan himself is being batshit crazy enough. But mm. add that in with a writer who is as crazy as he is about this. It just makes for a bad mix. It comes yeah. off bad.
1: No, that was. <laughs> Fuck everything to have to do with. <laughs> tenant and all the movie theaters right now but like lady in the water was originally supposed to be made with disney and you mean the
0: miramax uh subsidiary
1: The yeah. Miramax,
0: because i don't i don't know yes. what, what the situation is so. with miramax i think it was put mm-hmm. on the shelf as a studio but it
1: is uh disney owned but as... i know i know he was talking to disney execs okay like Eisen? With- uh specifically i don't remember but like i remember the the excerpts talking specifically about disney execs and him just being like they don't understand my idea like fuck disney and 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 and, and like the book was literally like meant to kind of be like everyone this was his huge bet you know like everyone didn't believe in this movie but he was going to make it and show prove them all wrong and it was like all this shit With, like, Lady in the Water, and then it came out, and, like, everyone fucking hated it. But in Lady in the Water, there's literally a character that plays a movie critic, or a critic that uh, is just an asshole, and then, at the end, the critic gets mauled to death. Uh, (laughs) Like...
0: It's always... And this happens a lot, I mean... This, this is the worst example. We like to compliment artists and directors and writers for inserting, you know, write what you know is, is the saying mm-hmm. as it goes, right? But, and, and oftentimes that can be a great thing when it comes to the ultimate um, picture and, you know, what it does thematically for your characters and for the film. But there are instances like what you just mentioned where it comes across like you just have an ax to grind and no one looks good of it. I recall Joker. Remember in the anticipation to it, what was the director's name? Todd Phillips was saying that, oh, he can't make the comedy films he used to from 10 years ago because he can't use the F word, the F word to, uh, you know, make fun of gay people. I think mm-hmm. you know which one I'm talking about. And in the movie where Joker kills Robert De Niro... He was saying, "I thought comedy was supposed to be subjective, and it just came off so
1: cringe, yeah i <laughs> like I was pretty like- w- what's the word? I kind of did was neither here nor there when it came to Joker, but mm-hmm. looking back, like that movie is just a big pile of nothing uh." But at the same time, I'm all—I'm just so happy it exists because the memes are just so funny. <laughs> They're so good. I—I'm glad it exists just for the fucking Joker memes. <laughs> the society. Oh god, I love it. But yeah, he's definitely an example of someone way up his own. At- but I think he's just an an asshole. <laughs> like in general, that director. Ty Phillips. Yeah, Todd Phillips. Uh Whereas M. Night was someone that... Like, when you hear him speak, he doesn't come off as an asshole. No. Right? And, And even the people that interact with him, like, he doesn't come off. He just bought into the hype way too much. Like, way, way too much, where his word was golden. But what's crazy with him is he went from, like, beyond praise that any director had felt so quickly to just laughing stock in no time at all
0: i can't think of an example of a, a better example of a rise and fall story because of just yeah. how quickly it happened right it was a quick rise and then it was a just the bottom fell out the next day
1: well well not the next with, day i within, mean like it, right. Within you know what I mean. right within a decade right within a decade because his yes. career was kicked off you know right right at the 2000s and then w- what year did the last airbender come out it was i, I want to say it was 2009
0: or 2010 i think it might have been 2010
1: within a decade he went from the hottest thing hollywood's ever seen to just the the bottom of the barrel biggest a pariah. joke yeah, like, it's crazy. And now he's just kind of doing this weird semi-comeback where he's just trying to get back into it. And, I mean, I am I feel for him. I really do. I really hope. Like I said, I, I'm always going to root for him to do well. Because I think he cares. He cares a lot about film and making it. And I don't think he's, like, a bad person. He just got cut up. And and who wouldn't really? <laughs> Would, That's kind go? of the
0: thing, right? It's like I mean, when when everyone is telling you you're great, at some point you're gonna have to start to believe it. And, and that maybe when I mentioned earlier that there was some carryover in how in the media angle, the media mm-hmm. always plays this dirty game. They prop someone out, someone up, only to tear them down when it's convenient for them. It's they like human it sacrifice. It really is.
1: It's it's really it's like, bad.
0: With the movie, with the release of The Sixth Sense, which is the film we're talking about, you had talked about, or well, you had mentioned it earlier in the episode about the next Spielberg. The media literally labeled him the next Spielberg. Over The Sixth Muse Sense. Newsweek.
1: No, it was... Uh... It was it Variety, The Hollywood Reporter? Was it Time? It was either Time or Newsweek, and it mm. was during the release of Signs, because it was him oh. standing like arms folded in front right. of a, a cornfield. <laughs> so then it's like he was—he was, obviously has to do with Signs, because because of all that shit. Uh, speaking of Joker, Joaquin Phoenix is in Signs, along with Kyle's. Uh, Third Dad, uh, what's his name? The Who? ones, the one that hates the Jews.
0: Who are you talking about? Who's Third Dad?
1: He wrote Passion of the Christ. He directed the Passion of the Christ. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, slipped my mind. I'm terrible at names. You, but we should talk about the movie <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about. Well, I said that,
0: well, we left off with, I was blown away with a twist mm-hmm. and, um, how there could have existed away. a person, right? How there could exist a person in 2020 not having heard that? Well, hey, we're real. We exist. <laughs> I'm proof of that. There are dozens of us. Dozens. The point is, I think it says a lot about how great it was that over 20 years later, that still works. Um, like- how it was supposed to and how how big it was. So, hey, you know? Yeah. That's a win in my that's a win in my book, I feel. Okay. So, well, I mean, you talk about that. I mean, yeah, no. Your yeah, first it, experience watching the It shocked the movie you, and, you were
1: blown away, you liked how big it was? I got it. Uh, <laughs> my first time seeing the film, I I knew the twist. I knew it long before. I saw the film, but there was certain things that I found really interesting. So for instance, when the boy gets home and, you know, Tony Collette, the mom is there. She's sitting on the the couch and across from her is Bruce Willis. And they're just sort of sitting there. And then she's, you know, she, when he walks in she gets up like, Oh, hi, how are you doing? You know, and then she goes, and then he goes and sits down and talks to Bruce Willis. And there's this, just in my head, the way it's framed. Yeah. As a viewer, I make so many assumptions. Like, I assumed, you know, he went to go make a house visit. You know, They were just sitting there waiting for him to come home. Yeah. And then she went to say hi, went to go get food, and then, you know, to leave room for him and Bruce Willis to talk. And... But then you think about it and it's like, no, but they never directly interact even the slightest way. And there's so many little instances like like Bruce Willis when he goes to his anniversary dinner and he's like, Oh man, I'm I'm sorry I'm late. You know, I I, I had this going, I'm this da 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 da. And, you know, the wife's there and she's just she's not talking to him, she's like, whatever and then she finally just says you know happy anniversary or whatever and then just kind of i can't remember, Does she walk away i think she just gets up and walks away and you're like fuck you know their marriage is on the rocks but then when you th- would you think about that scene it's like no she went there because it's their anniversary and she's alone and she's depressed she's sad that her husband is dead and, and her whole thing about happy anniversary is it's genuine, you know. She's just sad about saying it. She's kind of saying it to herself. And there's so many moments like that. And it's its really, to not really think of a better word, it's masterful.
0: It, no, it is. Even... I mean, him, him coming home and watching and they're... Randomly, videos of of their wedding on the television, and there's just seemingly no explanation. And, I mean, that also just defy the the train of thought that we're supposed to buy it. If she is so, if we we're to believe that they're so estranged, why would she be putting on random the the same like video of their wedding all the
1: time? Well, again, me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, you know. She's thinking to better, happier times, you know, mm. when their marriage wasn't falling apart. I mean, when it was right, first I was thinking that beginning. too. But when you look yeah.
0: back on the that, uh, you think you start to everything realize everything well, fits
1: so well. <laughs> right? Yeah, it really is just perfectly like a glove. And it's one of those things. Even on repeat, it's none of it is forced in the slightest. And usually with these twists, there's little things where it's like, okay, well that's obviously what it's going to be, right? Not once. It's just so masterfully put together where even if you removed the twist like let's say you cut off the film right after he helps uh, the kid and then it's like yeah it ends there you would never go like hmm well you know there was weird stuff going on with him that wasn't really explained like no you'd be like oh no yeah like everything perfectly makes sense I guess they didn't wrap out him and his wife's troubles but you know it it all makes sense it's so crazy good it's crazy and i understand it it makes sense why a movie such as this would sort of loom over the rest of whoever made its career so to speak yeah i wanted to ask you did you find the movie scary
0: There were places um, where I think it was very effective. Like I think to me, um, when the revelation comes after the I see dead people, I guess, revelation, which, oh, I (laughs) I don't want to go on a side tangent, but I guess we're at the risk of doing it. Here we go. um, I thought to myself, oh, that's where that's from. Okay. I didn't know that I see dead people that which of course I did encounter in other pieces of pop culture I did not that this that it came from this film mhm I did know last week that they're here the TV people was from poltergeist but I didn't know that i see dead people came from this movie in particular so
1: <laughs> i see now why you were so defensive in the beginning <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, let, let me be clear about this. Um, I make no such apologies for like not having experienced this sooner. I don't. And I mean, I, I will say this like how I said, I think brilliantly, uh, when we were discussing Hill House. I feel like I benefit the most from having seen it at the time that I did, because look at the year. That we're living in. Look like at two thousand twenty. Look like at the conditions at which we have to suffer. Where everyone's in depression. So I feel like I benefit the most uh, from having waited to have seen it in this year. So, I mean, it may sound as if I, I was defensive, and because I, I mean, I, I I don't. I mean, I don't like to be criticized. I don't like to be made fun <laughs> of, and I like to provide concrete solutions or reasons for why perhaps it was until this point that I would see it. But I think. That also is the concept of the show, is it not? Was and you know, you and Kyle, you know, I think were the ones that were the brain trust of the series was to, you know, it really was a way for you, let's be honest, to get us to watch more movies.
1: God. But it's worked. But it's worked. <laughs> yes, it has. Hasn't it?
0: It's worked, and I think and I will fully admit, uh, I think to the betterment of all of us. I have been so beyond pleased with the films that you've selected that I would never have gone out of my way to see and had not in the past. But, I mean, it's funny, though, how much I've missed in my life. <laughs> I will say that.
1: <laughs> well, I will say when I first put, pitched this show, I, you were not on board. I was not. And I'll tell you why. At what. all. I was not
0: on board because I was concerned with Kyle. Taking on too much. Remember when, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we were talking about this series, he said we we're going to do it two times a week every week.
1: Yes, that was quite a bit.
0: Every week, two times a week. He gets and remember
1: overzealous,
0: and it was it was to include all of us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It wasn't how it is now, where it's like two people, but it well, was like no, it was, like,
1: it was two people per episode. Was it that? Way? Yeah. Okay. So like one episode would be you and Kyle, then another one would be Kyle and me, and then the next one would be me and you, and then Kyle and you. Okay. Oh well. But I also remember you saying you just don't didn't want people forcing you to see movies you didn't want to see. <laughs> I have no recollection that of was that. was a big one. That was I have a no recollection of that. One. I remember. No. I have all the recollection, don't you worry. I have
0: no recollection of saying that, but if I did say that, well, clearly, I, I just admitted to me being wrong. So, okay. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but I don't recall ever saying that. Uh, oh, Ellie, you do have questionable um, comments in the past that just don't. Marking another one. Oh, yeah. You can put that right next to Bernie losing and Trump winning. So I hope you feel happy about that, about how you know true your predictions come. I hope they bring you years and years of warmth and joy, Peter. <laughs> I really do. Because, I mean, nine times out of 10, your predictions are cold and heartless and cruel. And like bring nothing but destruction. So I mean, <laughs> That's if, the if world. that makes you happy, <laughs> if that brings you joy, I'm not going to judge you for it. But go ahead,
1: by all <laughs> means, do that. Don't be mad when I can correctly interpret the world as it is. Okay, but and I didn't say world, I was. Don't I kill didn't say I was. I'm the, the messenger. Only...
0: But if that makes you happy, well,
1: it is what it is. As you say, you got to with how the world is, you got to find happiness where it's at. I agree. <laughs>
0: I absolutely agree with you. So, um, I knew this would create another tangent. What were we saying? <laughs> I see dead people? Is that yes. where it was? okay. Because
1: okay. at first I asked you about, was it scary? And then you were getting into the whole, I see dead people. And then I was like, wow, like, I can't believe. Like, you did, that wasn't, because that's, that's an even bigger cultural thing, I, I see dead people. In and which I case, said, I
0: did hear of it. I, I knew of it. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know where it came
1: from. Oh okay. Did you know the premise of the Sixth Sense before watching? No. Okay. So you knew like nothing.
0: No, I, I i went into this blind. Oh wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Cause even other films that you haven't seen, you know of them, I feel. There's a lot of films I've given you where you've never seen. I've heard seen... of this
0: movie. I knew that it featured Bruce Willis, I knew it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I know that it did relatively well when it was released. Chalked it up to trivia that I heard in passing. But I never... And maybe at one point I was made aware of the concept. But obviously I didn't follow through with it. So it just completely left my mind.
1: So scary. You thought him saying I see dead people was scary?
0: No. 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 I said after. What I was going to say is after he says that. Then we see what he sees. And I mean... You see... It's so hard, I feel to, you know, say, oh, this was scary because I mean, I guess it was haunting. I guess it was, uh, creepy. Was I like chilling? I mean, the only time where I was like, ugh, was that kid in his room that goes into his room and then from from behind you see that his head is has been cracked open. Uh, there's like a zoom into it. Yeah, um, that was like one of the ones where I was like, ugh, like oh, like I was like, oh shit, um, that scared me. Um, but, I mean, that's about it, I feel. I mean, it's so hard, I think, to describe, I guess, in an articulate manner, like, what I find particularly scary. These kind of stories, I do. I mean, there, the other one where it was kind of a little bit of a jump cut um, was when Cole in the, in the school sees three people hanging. That was mm-hmm. That was creepy and scary. Um And I was scared for him <laughs> But like was I like shivering? I wasn't It's it's hard to describe this Like I mean I think Hill House there are scary moments throughout and I'm creeped out the entire time But overall is it the scariest thing I've ever seen? No, no But is it is that, is that a bad thing to say? I, th- I think this goes back to your thing, right? You said last week about how certain people judge horror films. I mean, it wasn't all that terrifying. It wasn't all that scary, but it is horror. So, I mean,
1: I don't find most films scary. Yeah. I I don't know. But like, that's why, to me, like the threshold for... A scary movie being good is it has to scare me like oh like I don't know i like off the top of my head, a film where it's just like I'm like, oh my God, I can't watch it like I don't think a film like that exists i uh... <laughs> yeah, so it's it's weird, but are to me, there are scary moments that I genuinely like
0: within mm-hmm. the
1: film, like everything having to do with his in his room, like oh, oh fuck God. that, <laughs> I didn't like that. The uh, the the throw up girl. Ooh. Oh
0: my god. Oh my oh my god. Oh my god oh my god that that wasn't scary, but it was her when she was revealed, that was like a ah quick kind of moment. Mm-hmm. But I think the true horror <laughs> with her came later on. Uh yeah. and and it was real and wasn't really a ghost with what happened to her and that. We'll get into that point. But that was, I think, uh, as you say, real life is a real horror movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this film very much follows in that. uh, Angle that pursuit because you do, it is very classic horror where it's like, he's in the, he's in the tent. It's cold, the music, it's scary. And then the camera moves and she's there and she has like, vomit she's like like crying and it's just scary like it's I don't like it <laughs> but and then he like runs out of the the tent but then he turns around right and then he pulls off the tent and what's revealed is a sad scared girl and it, it kind of flips it on its head so to speak and and it goes along with what he's or at least what Bruce Willis told him, which is these souls, you know, th- they're not—they're terrifying, but they—they're not there to hurt you. They just need help. So why? Maybe as a way imply of with it may be implied that they're kind
0: of right—a little bit of an implication that perhaps they're stuck in some kind of a purgatory, mm-hmm. that there's like some unfinished business left to do of some sort with the ghosts that
1: are around. Yeah. So then it becomes about, you know, why don't you try to help them? And then of course that's where that takes off. Uh Tony Collette, Wonderful as Always.
0: I I, I didn't <laughs> recognize her until like the very end of the movie. Like I knew really. It said, it said Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. So I assume it was her for most of the film? But she almost looked unrecognizable to me uh, until the end of the movie.
1: Okay, I thought I thought it did look like her. I was like, yeah, that's that's. Telling. I will
0: I will credit that into her disappearing into character. How about that? Because <laughs> I, I think as far as the performance, man, if if she was that great in 1999, as she, man, like it's so, what an underrated actor, what an underrated career, because like what she did. Like, in these movies, um, I'm not sure if the overall quality of the film necessarily fell on the shoulders of her performance. And there may be, uh, you know, entirely, I mean. To some extent, yes, because it is the mom. But it's not the main part, but it is a significant part. And to me, what I think was the most successful about her performance was how real it felt. She didn't come off like the great Tony Collette giving a performance. She felt like a real person. She felt and looked like a real mom from that time, honestly. And I think that's what acting is, right? <laughs> Because you fooled yeah. me, it felt like an actual mom, and I think her performance was nothing less than phenomenal. And I mean, I can't say the same. I mean, I think to me her it was better. I think than, than Willis. I think Willis was amazing in this. If I'm being honest with you, like remember y'all. when Willis gave a shit? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, when you look at the performance he gave in Glass to this. It's like, you forget, man, he can be charming when he wants to actually act.
1: He hasn't wanted to in a decade, but <laughs> no, the way the Academy just obsesses over Meryl Streep, I feel, is the way they should obsess over Toni Collette. Cause
0: she... But she does horror movies. Remember that they're
1: not real movies. She does a <laughs> wide, wide range of film. And she's versatile.
0: Tony Collette. She did get nominated for this
1: movie, fun. right? Uh, probably. Was there, there was a lot of love over this film.
0: No, there there were several Academy Award nominations, and I do believe. I mean, obviously Haley Joel Osment, which we'll get to, was one of them. But I do recall reading that Best Supporting Actress was one of those, and I don't, I don't know how it could not be Tony Collette. Who else would be nominated for Best Supporting Actress in this movie besides Tony Collette?
1: Um,
0: I'll look it up to make sure right now, but I'm pretty sure so she, she was you. nominated. For that,
1: Bruce Willis' wife. I don't know. <laughs> I
0: mean, I don't. I don't. I don't think. You know.
1: No. But you were saying about Tony Collette. She's incredible because she can do comedy. She can do drama, horror. Like I, where she's just terrifying and and being terrified. She can literally do everything. <laughs> Someone on Letterboxd made a a awkward made a list called awkward Tony Collette uh, dinner scenes. And it's like, I was like, Oh, that's right. She, she does have a lot of films in which some dramatic shit de- goes down around the dinner table. Uh, <laughs> that was that's
0: true. That's true. Yeah. Just to clarify, uh, the film was nominated for best director, best editing, best original screenplay, mm. best picture. Best Supporting Actor for Haley Joel Osment, and Best Supporting Actress. For Toni Collette? It doesn't say. I don't know why, but obviously it has to be Toni Collette. I'll go even further. Who is this mystery uh, woman? <laughs> yeah, right here it says. In '99 she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress by the Academy Awards for her role performance in The Sixth Sense.
1: Haley Joel Osment. One of the uh one of the most famous child actors. And it he was great. Fantastic. You believe that this kid is traumatized? Like oh you said, God. when he's breaking down, like I see great right. people. You're like, fuck. Did he do yeah. this immediately before AI? It had to have been, right?
0: Because AI it... was two thousand and one?
1: Yeah, this was definitely before. was it immediately before i feel maybe it got him the job i don't know you never know it's weird how sometimes when actors blow up they blow up you know like they just have like a couple movies that they they filmed when they weren't that big they just come out and hit at around the same time and then boom you're just overnight your career his first
0: his first film was playing forrest gump jr
1: he, yeah. I, I don't,
0: wow. So it was The Sixth Sense in 99, and then there was I'll Remember April, Pay It Forward in 2000, and then 2001, AI, Artificial Intelligence, which was amazing in that movie as well.
1: I remember Pay It Forward. Have you seen that one? No. He dies. Oh. <laughs> uh he's very 90s movie he's honestly
0: i think one of the uh, the, his performances in both ai and in this movie are just like is there a a proper they're out of this world good for his age
1: what's funny about him is he's one of those child actors who just kind of grew up and because of his work as a child actor he really doesn't have to work so he just kind of does whatever he wants (laughs) Mm-hmm. and he'll work here and there when he wants to, and on projects he wants to work on like he had a, I don't know if you saw the the new season of What We Do in the Shadows he had a, a guest, guest I see role. it right here
0: I'm looking at his filmography, yeah, I mean look at yeah. his guest he was a robot chicken, What We Do in the Shadows, The Kaminsky Method The Boys, he was on two episodes of The Boys, the Amazon show uh, Yeah, he, he does what he wants Right, yeah
1: you could tell everything he does now, it's because he's a fan. He's like, oh, fuck, I like this. I'll just make a call. Can I <laughs> come in and do something? They're like, fuck yeah, you're Hilly Joe Osmond. I remember he he wasn't officially on the show, but he did uh, promos for uh, It's Always Sunny on Philadelphia. Did he? Yeah.
0: A show that's been running like forever now, right? Like, yeah. What season is it on?
1: The the joke was that they re- recast the actors for more a listers, and he oh was my god. He was one of them. No, he's great. He was fantastic mm-hmm. in this film. I believed that he saw dead people.
0: <laughs> I I did too, and then we saw them in real life.
1: Oh, speaking of the horror saints, I know Ooh. this is like. Incredibly cliche horror shit, um but it's cliche horror shit I love, and it's for me, it's always effective. I don't know why but it it just it hits that that scary bone of mine is when he is listening to the recording of his oh. old patient, yeah, yeah, and you that, that was the whole thing in the beginning is that he had a patient mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: who, when he was young, claimed similar things that he could speak to dead people or just had similar issues. There was people there talking to him, you know, whatever. And he couldn't help him. And then that's why he showed up in his house, shot him and then shot himself. And throughout the film, that's why you're kind of, assume why he's taking this case you know Haley joe osmond we find out later it's more of a has to do has to help him before he can move on kind of thing Mm -hmm. but he notices the similarities between him and his former uh him and his former patient so he's going back listening to recordings of him and it's and it's so it's so good because you hear them talking and they're like oh yeah like is everything good yeah everything's okay and then you even hear bruce willis go like oof it's cold in here like oh yeah (laughs) and then he's like oh i gotta go take care of this i'll be right back and then the kids it's basically quiet but the kids kind of like you kind of hear him like breathing a little heavy like kind of scared and then bruce willis comes back He's like, oh, okay. You know, how's it going? He's like, are you okay? You look a little different. What's going on? And then, of course, you know, the classic horror, like, oh. <laughs> rewind the tape, enhance, enhance audio background. Fucking Ghost Hunter shit. And then you, <laughs> you you know, you could hear someone else in the room. I think it was like, like a Spanish voice, like yeah are you the man? Are you... and it's just like oh fuck i don't know like those kind of things always i think he was saying something
0: to... like no me quiero morir algo así.
1: yeah which uh... <laughs> i don't I know i mean
0: there's some a lot of creepy stuff like when he uh when he is answering a question in class about how they used to hang people in the very classroom that he sits in and the building that he's in which i mean philadelphia and then of course when he basically breaks his teacher and bringing out the whole stutter stanley card that was like it was like that's traumatizing um as somebody who's instructed a classroom that kind of is a little traumatizing <laughs> i don't want
1: <laughs> the idea
0: of a kid just being able to break you? yeah I, that would be but i mean like how would he know that and, that, and how it like he brought that back like you know how it just gets you thinking like how, how you know internally and deep down we bury some things from our past but how quickly they can be brought back to the surface like that oh yeah was that was effective that was a really good scene um
1: uh, to me one of the scariest parts is, if we can get to this was when he goes to the the vomiting girl's funeral and he is up in her room. There's a lot of tension, and she just, you know, grabs his leg. And I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah,
0: I was like, oh shit, don't,
1: don't. And then just sort of slowly slides the uh, the box to him. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of on on these ghosts too. They, they do their hardest to to just not be approachable. Like, holy shit. Like, Bruce Willis, he was an approachable ghost, you know? Right? He's <laughs> just like, hey, you know, like, I'm, I'm here to help, you know? What's going on? with these other ghosts with, like, their fucking, their eyes all sul- sunken and blood everywhere, like, ah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. <laughs> they should have had the Bruce Willis approach. It worked for him real easy. But no, but then obviously what that reveals, to. And, oh, God, the way it's shot is so good. I love the the Shyamalan. Again, I I just, I really like him as a director. Mm-hmm. And the way just everyone in the funeral is, is there, you know, he goes and hands it to him, the box, and then just kind of leaves, opens it to VHS tape. Yes, that's how old this movie is. And at first, it's like a cute video, you know, maybe it's like something heartfelt. To remember his daughter by. That's the way it's like oh cute you know puppets and he's watching in the chair and everyone's watching. Uh, And then no oh no 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 It takes a very devastating turn when the, the, the tape basically reveals the wife was poisoning the daughter and it was killing her. She killed her uh that's why she's like vomiting the whole time she poisoned her until she was dead and just the way the the acting on the husband's face you know i i it's so good so good just the realization of everything that's going on you know from just sad to sort of moments of not joy but just like love you know, where he almost cracks a smile with her puppets to like, wait, what the fuck is this? With her preparing the meal and And then when he confronts her about killing her, that whole scene I thought was just so amazingly well done. And was that the... I was go ahead. Was that the step wife? Like Or was that her mother? <laughs> If that was her I mother, mean that, that's damn. A,
0: that's that's a good question, right? Because that's that's not necessarily answered.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh I don't want to come off as if we're anti stepmoms <laughs> But I mean could but I mean it is, I think, a common thing to see in
1: movies where you know yeah, well,
0: that's a classic Disney villain almost is the stepmom, you know, in Cinderella's case. And no, another...
1: <laughs> no love for mothers.
0: No. I mean I guess your natural instinct would be to assume so because what parent would kill their own child yeah like that unless crazy. they weren't hers but even I mean of course we're talking about like separation of degrees of like that are all monsters but in terms of how that f- that scene was executed I was horrified because at first you think it's like what you say, all oh, this cute little thing. And then the camera lingers and I, I I get this horrible feeling in the bottom of my stomach and we're still on that frame. And I'm like, Oh no, Oh no, 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 no. And, 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 Oh my God, like what it, I w my jaw was literally on the floor. It's like, What? Holy fucking shit. And I mean, talk about awkward. Everyone's there like watching it together. (laughs) In the funeral. And of course, like
1: that's what's crazy too, because then when he goes to confront her, like the crowd has followed him. So he's got like a a posse behind him. You know? (laughs) Because it's like this very god, like fuck dude like imagine like you're not even i don't know like you barely know the family yeah like you go with a friend and you're just like fuck dude i I don't know this crazy. i i I,
0: i've i feel like i would want to walk out immediately would you or would you oh hell no
1: i'm 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 the dude's backup (laughs) let's go confront this bitch she ain't leaving here alive i'll tell you that I don't know, i I would want to leave because <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's so uncomfortable. i, ugh. but it's so good, it's so good, it's so well done. yeah, i and it's like again, I, I love how it highlights this connection between this terrifying, otherworldly thing, like a ghost. But a ghost is a human, and the way it finds that human connection at the end. And you would think making the ghost more human would make it less scary, but it's the, actually the opposite. You know, it's it's that human connection that makes it more terrifying. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but this is something... Well, we haven't talked about Blind Manor yet, but this is something Flanagan does in all his work, really. Specifically, like, at Hill House, where you're shown a very scary ghost-type figure, Mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck, that's scary. And then you you sort of discover the more human connections behind that ghost, and you're like, fuck, that's terrifying, but in a very Uh different way. Uh... (laughs) he's he's i think he's really good at that and that's something you see played off really well here where at first you're like cuz i'm putting myself in that that kid's shoes right and as a kid i like i was very scared very skittish you know um shit i i would i don't know i would have had a heart attack if i saw half the shit he saw as a kid <laughs> those ghosts I don't know. Oof. But then you pull back the layer and, and you realize these are just broken souls and sort of the sad state of affairs that led them there. It's more terrifying in another way, right? Yeah, Like the whole idea of ghosts to me is just terrifying.
0: No, it it is. And I mean, there's a lot of things that are obviously beneath the surface. Like I keep thinking back to the particular ghosts that he would see hanged at the school. Yeah. And it, I think the implication is that that building has been around in Philadelphia for a very long time. They do mention in the movie that Philadelphia was, for a time, the capital of the United States. And hangings were a thing. Um, to when it stopped, I'm not so sure, probably until the very... I wanna say the late nineteenth century or early twentieth century, maybe I guess my best guess. If we ex- exclude lynchings, which we probably shouldn't, but I mean that continued continued well into the nineteen hundreds. Um but for like official executions, um in in terms of like they they very clearly were like a lot of them, at least the ghosts that you would see in that particular place that the ones that were hanged I didn't think that I saw a single white person. They were all people of color or immigrants or some shit like that. Yeah. If you noticed. It was weird. I was trying to figure out what was trying to be said there. By the way, we're recording this on Columbus Day, and that's a little extra weird because he's the one who's responsible for all this, which, fuck Christopher Columbus, I think we should say. I think everyone
1: Um, should personally just, to yourself, think it, say it under your breath. Fuck Christopher Columbus. I think it's important. I think it's important that we collectively acknowledge. On the fact that he has a national holiday. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the day that he has a national holiday. Fuck Christopher Columbus. I think it's very important. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, that's very true what you said. Yeah. And you also go back to, the, to the, 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 the mom and the stepmom that killed the girl. When they, when they pan to her, what's interesting is that she's wearing red. It's not a not typical for a funeral. And she's not grieving either. She's not crying. Right. She doesn't, she has this she oh my god. She has this look on her face that she doesn't give a shit what's going on. Mm-hmm. So like automatically when you when we pander her and you see her, it's like you knew it, but you
1: believe it now. Yeah, because what's so sad is the dad just looks devastated. Like you you killed her. And she and yeah. her look is like, oh fuck, I'm caught. No, you know, it's not sadness. Can I be
0: honest with you? I skipped that part.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> no, I,
0: you, you know, you and I have this in common where I cannot stand those kind of like social anxiety that situations that make you want un- like public gatherings that make me uncomfortable. Yeah. So after we finish watching the tape and we panter her, I, I fast forward to when they're outside talking to the sister because I could not handle that shit. That was just too awkward and uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> I don't even think she says anything. It's more of just like an expression than it cuts in. Oh. But no, I, I, oh God. Like if, (laughs) you know what's funny? It's easier for me to take like horror scenes than for me to take cringe scenes in film. Like if there's a, a cringy, something that's like very cringy going on in a film, like I might have to walk out of the room. No, like it's David, too much for me to. I David Francisco,
0: ha, we've had this discussion. Mm-hmm. We feel the same way. I think also Kyle, to an extent. One of the ones that we that we brought up as an example of this is that scene in the movie Love Simon, where one of the friends is using. I think a. Uh, a pretty well-attended high school football game to ask out this ridiculously hot girl to prom or something like that, mm. and he gets, like, turned down in the most humiliating way. Ooh. I skipped that scene, and Kyle was like, lucky you, because I watch it in a theater, and I could not escape.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> so, I can't. It would, That's so funny, though, that that emotion is just so much unbearable. more unbearable than, like like, I will watch, I don't know, throw throw any horror movie fucking saw super unrated people getting skinned alive you'll know, scare shit like i'll watch maybe i'll like lift the covers a little be obviously a little scared but like I'll, i can watch it but a, a scene in a movie that's like very cringe i can't take it
0: well one I movie that's not it. It. it's not at all a horror movie by any means, but because the whole movie is what we just described,
1: eighth grade. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take. Oh, no. Yeah. By
0: uh, Bo Berman. Wonderful movie. Really, really great film. I think a great commentary. But it also, I think there's something in that movie that, at least for me, and I think also you took us back to a, a point in time where everything was awkward and that is awkwardness just encapsulated in a film oh,
1: God. <laughs> i couldn't take it i like i think i even said during <laughs> that discussion like this is the worst horror f- or like this is the like scariest film of the year like i can't <laughs> it's obviously not scary but as far as like tolerance... i had to pause
0: the movie so many times mm-hmm. when i was watching it eighth yeah. grade
1: no I great cannot. film very good. But... <laughs> on the cringe versus horror scare, horror is, is definitely lower. <laughs> uh, yeah. But... Um, Bruce Willis, obviously fantastic. He... Again, this, this is also at the height of Bruce Willis. This is Bruce Willis giving a shit. The last time Bruce Willis gave a shit... Was probably Looper. Which is pretty recent, I want to say.
0: 2013. Eight
1: eight years. I told you, like a decade.
0: 2012. Yeah. I wonder what happened there. Was it the Ryan Johnson charm that got him to give a shit?
1: I don't know. Because, like, Kevin Smith has notoriously talked so much (laughs) shit about Bruce Willis. and like the just how bad it was to work with him on set uh no. uh but I, he also said that and this was a long time ago this was long before Star Wars that they were somewhere uh some i don't know con or whatever they were on stage and then backstage Ryan Johnson like took Kevin Smith to the side and he's like, Hey, like I heard you had a bad experience with Bruce. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that that wasn't my experience at all. Like, I don't know what happened really? there. Like, that's like yeah, you sound like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I didn't that wasn't what I had experienced at all. Like, that's I Kevin Smith had said that before. So uh, yeah, it seems like um <laughs> That was one of the last things. Have you heard any of Kevin Smith, what he said?
0: No, I don't think I have. But, I mean, I've heard very little of Willis in general this last decade. I mean, he's hardly been around. He's
1: doing nothing but uh, direct to, To to video shit. It's all a paycheck for him now. Like, you can really tell.
0: Like Nicolas Cage?
1: No. No, 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 no.
0: Nicolas Cage doesn't do anything besides those... I mean, he did one or two movies in the last few years that received some notoriety, but...
1: He still... He's still up for that crazy shit, and he tries. He's he's still an actor that definitely tries. Now he's definitely doing more. Well, I didn't direct. say. I, I
0: excuse me. Uh-huh. I didn't imply that he had given up. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I I do believe that he's been more known this last decade for doing directed video stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But that's because he was just god awful handling his money, <laughs> and just <laughs> went into massive amounts of debt. So he had to do it. Whereas Bruce, I think it's just like, I don't think he has to do it. It's just like, hey, money. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think one of the things he had, he had like five homes, like a massive mansion. Nicolas Cage, you mean? Yeah, Nicolas Cage. And he had to sell all of them. Uh, he had a dinosaur bone. Like, they were auctioning off some of his shit, and it's like these... Like, you could tell, he just bought anything and everything. Uh,
0: Did this happen post-National Treasure?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I wonder if, if they ever made a, a third movie that would have helped him just a tiny
1: bit. They still the should. Paycheck. I know, I'm, right? I the National Treasure 3 train. Disney Plus? Although hey! Now, oof. How, how do you do it?
0: Because of the monuments? You mean political correctness and that kind of stuff? Or, yeah. Um, or because of just like,
1: neoliberals?
0: Because
1: or... I love the National Treasure movies, but it, it is all about, like, this, is like, oh man, you know, America. It's all about the bright side of that shit. Well, re- yeah. I, remember I brought it up when we were talking about um, Hamilton? Mm, did yeah. I? Or maybe did I just think that?
0: You mentioned that, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to say you, you did mention about national treasure. and Because you had a problem with how Hamilton portrayed it, yeah. which, I mean, that was only in, twenty I think, 2015, 2016. And I agree with you to a certain extent. Uh, in 2020, it rings differently.
1: <laughs> well, I guess with national treasure, at least they never lied to me, right? Like, they never tried to say that George Washington, oh, man, he hated slavery. He He could have ended slavery if he could. Like, they don't... Uh, they handled the more dicey su- out subjects of the time by just not addressing it, which I think isn't great, but it's a lot better than just pretending they were these heroes that they weren't.
0: So do you feel perhaps that the National Treasure films, and I think this is what you're implying, uh, the original two films were somewhat tone deaf? Uh,
1: No. Would some, they be toned maybe if they came somewhat. out today? You couldn't get away with it today, I'll put it that way.
0: You see, and that sucks because I mean I, I think I would much prefer that than anything else Disney live action mm-hmm. would crank out, because it it'll be shit.
1: I mean, you could incorporate that into it. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, Bruce Willis. Height of his <laughs> career. He did great. I actually think He was better in Unbreakable, but I liked him a lot here as well. He's great in both. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts on the film?
0: I actually don't. I I don't, but I I have to say um, I love the film. I I mean, I I think it was kind of perfect. I honestly do. Uh, I I get the hype. I I, I definitely won't Mm. forget this one.
1: I forgot to mention the the Tony Collette Oscar moment when they're in the car, and he's uh oh, confessing. Oh, I forgot
0: that scene. Oh my God! Yes, yeah.
1: that's the scene of the movie to me. Yes, where he's trying—he's right. finally coming clean to her. Like I do speak to dead people, mm-hmm. and then he starts to talk about how he, you know, speaks to her mom. He says, "I I talk to grandma." Yeah and mentions how when she was young and she danced maybe they had fought but she thought that the mom didn't go in to see her but she actually did and it's (laughs) both of them are acting just so good you know he has watering up telling her this story about the grandma that he can only know he like he has literally no way of knowing any of this unless the grandma came to him one night and told him and Tony Collette just, like, falling apart emotionally. Like, oh, my God. That scene is so good. It's a
0: lot to take in. Because, I mean, uh, for I think her initial instinct is like, wait, what? My kid can do what now? But then when you believe it, but you believe it because he's telling you things that only he would know it by saying, you know, by him being able to do this. And then she's breaking down because of all the... Well, the last what was the last thing about. Um, did I make you proud? Is that what she asked uh, at her grave? And then her kid Cole said uh, he basically is a messenger, and he said every day.
1: Oh no, no, no! I think it was the other way around. He he was like, you go to her grave and you ask her mm-hmm. a question, and her right. answer is every day. Yeah. And then, like, she breaks down, and then he's like, well, what's, you know, what was the question? And then uh, she's like, do I make you proud? No, that shit's so good. <laughs> so good. But, yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention that scene, because it's may- maybe my favorite of, of the whole the whole film.
0: No, I no, I can't believe we, we almost wrapped up and not talked about that. I agree with you. Um, then also just, like, it's a horror movie, but there's like different flavors in this movie I think they can appeal to, which is why I feel it was so successful to a broad
1: audience. Thriller. A horror movie can only succeed uh, in the eyes of the Academy if it can also be labeled a thriller.
0: Or a drama. Or a drama.
1: <laughs> well, that... It will It's kind of like mixing the colors. Mm-hmm. If you mix a horror... And a drama together, you get a thriller. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Well, it's like when you say thriller, like well, like people think, like a action thriller, but you mean psychological thriller.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. There's also different categories to thriller as well. Mm-hmm. These are all made up categories. People just enjoy films. <laughs>
0: Well, don't tell that to the Academy. <laughs> don't let the
1: Academy certain... brainwash you with their propaganda. They're going to give Sonic Best Picture of the Year this year, so they have no they would choice.
0: prefer they would rather cancel the ceremony than to ever award Sonic anything.
1: So, or what you what you're saying is Sonic the movie is like the Bernie Sanders of films, and the Academy is the DNC. He said yes, people. Um, yeah, I think that's that was a good good discussion. Uh, Can
0: you uh, tease what movie we're doing next?
1: Yes, the next and final film for Ghosttober twenty twenty Bootacular is.
0: <laughs> Did you just say Bootacular?
1: I am trying to stay in theme. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Excuse me for giving a shit.
0: Are you sure you're not on the on the Regeneron stuff, too? God, I oh wish.
1: God. <laughs> From what I've seen, it works wonders. Holy shit. Or at least it's a hell of a high. And we don't even have
0: COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the,
1: the n- final... Right. To the table this October. Each film that we've covered so far, which of course is Poltergeist and The Sixth Sense, some of the biggest, not only horror films, not only ghost films, but films in general, some of the biggest films in American cinema, you know, throughout the history of cinema. This next film is different. It is a Spanish-language film. It's not necessarily widely known. It's it's slightly lesser known, maybe even a little cult following, if you will. It is produced by Guillermo del Toro. Again, <laughs> another film where his name's all over it, but he's just the producer. Uh, the Orphanage. This is also a film I saw... Uh, quite a while back. And then I rewatched it recently. And I'm like, yeah, this, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this is really good. And then I rewatched it, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is really good. And I, so I wanted to get you to see it. And of course, because we will be eventually be going into the works of Mr. Del Toro. Well, not eventually, immediately thereafter. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So well, there I mean, you go.
0: This <laughs> this will end the uh, bootacular, as you say, for to the table, but it will also transition us uh, to the main red spotlight podcast with a month long theme uh, of talking about the works of Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. And I I hope you are working though on which
1: films of his we're going to be going over. Oh yeah. I've already yeah yeah for sure
0: okay so you can catch that on red spotlight and then also speaking of we still have more horror related content coming up for the month Mm -hmm. so we just did a review of the haunting of hill house as well as an audio commentary for the shining and then what's next peter for the month
1: next up we will be doing our review for the newly released the haunting of bly manor a fantastic film over on netflix fantastic television
0: series i believe you
1: want to say Uh, Potato, potato, potato. And then after that, we will also be doing another commentary on, yes, the Mike Flanagan film or miniseries. Uh, Dr. (laughs) Sleaf. A lot of Mike Flanagan love going around this. It's pretty much Mike Flanagan month, if we're being
0: honest. Uh, You know, give or take The Shining which was Kubrick and mm-hmm. Stephen King. And then, of course, you have the stuff that we have here to the table. And Fantasy Fair also is uh, not, I don't think, horror-related, but Halloween-related. They just did, a Moreno and Kyle just did a Once Upon a Retrospect, which is, that's their version of recapping uh, fi- old films, of the 2003 Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy.
1: Honestly, that's the one... Uh... Disney, anything with that fucking podcast that I would have <laughs> uh, liked to be on. Cause I, I, I had have... a feeling too. Yeah. I had a feeling. I don't know why they didn't ask you. Cause I have interesting feelings on on that film.
0: Contrary to popular belief, and, yeah. I mean, but it also wouldn't be, I think, unoriginal. Cause I, 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 I want to say that we as a group of people on this podcast happen to view that movie much more favorably than what people would have you believe?
1: Yeah, I I would definitely say so. Uh, It's it's not that I don't, and that's the thing, right? Like I, I have, it's not super positive or even super negative. It's, it's interesting feelings that I think Mm -hmm. could have raised a good discussion. But, of course, I am re-banned on that podcast. Uh, I slided the mouse. I was excommunicated. And until I do... It um
0: doesn't seem entirely fair, because I was recently on that podcast, and I chastised Disney for you know the concentration camp filming thing and the twenty eight thousand jobs that they you know they Mm -hmm. destroyed and vice versa kyle was on red spotlight recently it was a a podcast you weren't there because i don't know i think you were not available at that time it was like five o'clock on a monday Mm -hmm. afternoon um and uh he was on the show with me on red spotlight and we were criticizing disney for you know the layoffs and everything so I wonder if there's a double standard that applies
1: only to you. I think there's a massive double standard because the high Disney priestess said I must lash myself uh, as repentance, uh, one lash for each Disney park. So, in order to regain entry into the Fantasy Fair. I refuse to do so, so... I remain uninvited.
0: And as a reminder, you can catch To The Table podcasts uh, every Wednesday, Red Spotlight every Sunday and sometimes on Thursdays, and the Fantasy Fair on Fridays uh, going forward. So uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a nice October. Hope you survive. Hope we survive as well. And until next time, bye bye.